Well, the assembly uh, is what we're looking at, and I suppose we should try and draw to a close uh, for now. In terms of stage one, we've really been looking at the uh, uh, what some call meeting, right? And we started with its first occurrence in where? Who remembers? Exodus, yeah. The, um, there was a reference to the whole assembly killing the Passover lamb. And then there was an actual assembly before Sinai in chapter 20. And we identified the key components there. We've come into the New Testament. We've looked at uh, some examples, little windows uh, that we can look into in the book of Acts. Um, Probably the biggest one, I think, is in Acts chapter 20, where the disciples came, to, came together to break bread on the first day of the week. And um, my conclusion, having looked at that uh, and considered it, is that the disciple and Paul's writing to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, talked about when you all come together in one place. It seemed to me that the church met as a whole church weekly, to remember the Lord's death. Um, so, and uh, much of Christendom has through the, the ages done that as well. Um, that, and, and so di- different groups do different things on that. But that they had ministry. Paul preached first. There was a death. And a being raised from the dead. And then, um, then they broke bread. And he was preaching a long time. So... It wasn't a dedicated communion service, but they had a full ministry. And then, so in addressing it in 1 Corinthians 11, he addresses the head covering, he addresses the communion, and then he addresses spiritual gifts. It would seem to me that all of those things would be part of the early church service. I think, uh, for me anyway, I would find it difficult to hammer out a specific order of service and say this was it. You know, um, but I think I have a general uh, impression. One thing where um, Paul writes to Timothy, and we do it differently, and it's an, something of an innovation. I think we agreed to do it this way. Paul said, now I exhort that first of all, prayer. And so it would seem to me that that would be the normal way to start uh, um, an assembly, a Christian service. We start with singing, I think, for a couple of reasons. Um, mine is because enough of us struggle to get there on time that I think it's most important for us to all to be together for prayer. And also, the, where we're all at, myself included, I think it's um, somehow after we've been singing for a while, we're more in a, um, a mind of prayer than we might be if we just came in out of the car and started praying. But I do note that even Paul and Silas in prison, um, they prayed and sang praises. I notice that prayer seems to come first. But um, so that might bear more study if we we're trying to nail it down and be rigid and so on. I'm a believer in um, the revealed will of God in the scriptures and not that we need to make anything up. Uh, you know, I, we've heard it. Well, the Bible doesn't specify, so that's up to us to decide. 
Well, that may be true on things like, you know, motor cars and Sony Walkmans. How many of you remember a Sony Walkman? Yeah. Wow. You're quite young for that, Nathan. But, uh, you know, that's a piece of technology that came and went, right? And I think they have iPods instead and these joggers and so on. Um, Eight-track cassette players in cars. All of these things that come and go. Uh, But the, the principles are clear and the instruction is as well. And we shouldn't make up church meeting. One thing I think is different uh, in my understanding of it. So in, in Acts chapter 20, Paul uh, was preaching, ready to depart on the morrow. Right? Remember that passage? We're all just going from it. Ready to depart on the morrow. This suggests to my mind that this was an evening service. That he didn't start preaching at nine in the morning, ready to depart on the morrow. This is... Um, and with what we know of the biblical day, um, the evening and the morning were the first day, that um, the first day of the week would begin with the going down of the sun on the Sabbath, that the early Christians went to synagogue during the Sabbath. Um, It would seem to me that the early church had their first day of the week service in what we would call a Saturday night. That seems to me how it is. But um, it seems to me as well that in the providence of God, it shifted as the first day of the week in the Roman Romanization to Sunday during the day. So starting in the dawn of the day. Um, Much in the same way that Joseph, who was rejected by his brethren, And became the savior of the Gentiles. And he was shaved and adorned no longer after his Hebrew um, upbringing. And was unrecognizable to his Hebrew brethren. It would seem to me that Christianity, which is a Jewish religion. Which was initially looked at as a Jewish sect. Has become largely unrecognizable to the Jews. As it has become the salvation of the Gentiles. And as Paul prophesied uh, one day uh, when they... Are received again when they recognize Jesus as Messiah. When they say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Then there shall be that reunion. So all that to say is I am not uh, encouraging anything at all. Whereby Christians should have a Saturday night service. Although it wouldn't be wrong. Um, I think that the first day of the week. The Lord's day. They did meet. um, The Lord appeared in the morning. They were gathered together. Uh, in John's Gospel, any time from the going down of the sun on the Sabbath to the going down of the sun on the first day of the week would qualify. But how would we put together an order of a service? Right? It would seem that all of the gifts of the Spirit are appropriate to be manifested in a worship service. Um, prayer is... Uh, Um, normal to come uh, before anything else although uh, I wouldn't say that it's wrong to to sing at the start Um, we'd have breaking of bread were there and this is a we could just take a break was that the only kind of church meeting was what we call the worship service when you all come together into one place have the Lord's Supper, and there was preaching and the exercise of spiritual gifts. 
We all agreed with that. That's what we results of our study. Studied that on the first day of the week, church met together. They had preaching. They remembered the Lord's uh, death. And they exercised spiritual gifts. And they had prayer and song. Right? I'll pray with the Spirit. I'll pray with the understanding also. I'll sing with the Spirit. I'll sing with the understanding also. So they had prayer, song, exercise of spiritual gifts, preaching, and breaking of bread. So that was all come together into one place. So right out of the gate, and we've looked at those things as best we can. Of course, we could just do that endlessly. Um, were there any other kinds of church meeting? We have brothers meeting, right? And although I find this a blessing, I'm not trying to change it. I just I don't find it in the scripture. I'll just say that. We have sisters meeting. Don't find that in scripture either. I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. But I do note those things. But were there any other kinds of church meeting? Do you want to just think about it? Do you want to put your heads together? Other kinds of church meeting. You want to just go on the fly? Sure. Brother A. So you're saying they, they had meetings where they brought goods together? Where was that? Can you... Direct us this scripture? Okay. Can anyone else help? This is where maybe getting together. Do we want to just take a break and um, put our heads together like we often do? And it might help us to not nod off, some of us. Um, after we had had our fill at lunch and so on, I'd finished a cup of coffee and I thought, wow, I could use a nap around now. I admit, I did think about coming and lying on one of these boards that we call pews here. But I didn't. So I'm standing, so I'm going to stay awake. But to get everyone, why don't we break off into two groups? Take five or ten minutes and see if we can identify every kind of meeting whereby the church, so New Testament only, whereby the church came together. We know there were feasts. We know there was revival under Ezra uh, and so on. But New Testament meeting. Who was present? And what was the purpose of the meeting? Church meeting. We've got how many here? Group here. Mm. Storm, do you want to join these? And then everyone else, join Abe. What's that? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, yeah. I've noticed, and Conrad and Adrian can really chat up a storm. I can hear them in the portable sometimes when I'm here. Noise level is quite high. As a teacher, I struggle with that sometimes. It gives me flashbacks of the classroom.
Yeah, I'm not thinking about that rowdy mob at Ephesus. Church meeting. You decide. I mean, I mentioned a brother's meeting and a sister's meeting. Um, and I said, I don't think there are examples of that, but I could eat those words after you're all done with me. I was going off the top of my head. So, whatever type of meeting you want to identify. Christians gathering of a purpose. All right. Do we want to go on a couple more minutes? A couple more minutes? Matthew, how's your team doing? Yes, I, I, I was. I, I mean, Sean's group could already hear themselves think. Um, you want a couple more minutes or are you ready to, to go? All right. All right. Well, what have you got for is, is this? Are you the chatty group? No. Oh, okay. You ready to go, or do you want a couple more minutes? All right. So we're looking at. Uh, so you give us a. You can go either scripture first and then tell us what you think, or you can tell us your opinion and then scripture. Yeah, we'll go one one. It's like tennis match. Yeah. There's the net right in the middle. Nathan, okay. End of Acts chapter 2, did you say? Yes. Okay, good. Acts 2, 24, yes? 44, 44 okay. Good. Okay. What uh, what's your comment on that? Okay. Mm. Right. So the Jews had uh, they had it right. Remember, much every way. So they they would take a week or two off depending on the feast, right? Um, so this was not unusual. They'd had Pentecost. So they're having revival. So I guess they all decided work was on hold. They were daily in the temple. I think the temple was open every day, whether there was a feast going or not. And so, right, it was now, it was a house of, of prayer. And uh, so they were daily in the temple for prayer. And it looks like, and in homes daily for breaking of bread. That's quite a heyday. 
don't think they could continue that indefinitely. Some point, somebody's got to work. But um, they continuing daily with one accord in the temple. Would we agree that would be prayer? They weren't the teachers and the leaders. Um, evidently there were spaces for teaching, for disputing. The Lord did that. Um, but they were one accord, continuing with one accord in the temple. Um, we find the apostles teaching in the temple, right? They got in trouble for it. Doesn't say what they were doing, but they were in the temple. That's going to be hard for us to mimic. One, we're in the wrong country. Two, the temple's been destroyed. So that's going to be challenging to reconstruct that. Um, but the daily, right? Daily with one accord in the temple. And breaking bread from house to house. So that's a lot more fellowship than North American Christians are used to. Uh, it seems the apostles were teaching. Then uh, they lock them up. Where did they... Uh, they put them in ward. Um, the high priest rose up, great indignation. The angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors, brought them forth and said, Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. When they heard that, I'm in Acts 5, they entering, entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. So the apostles, in any case, were teaching in the temple. But this is a whole multitude. So we don't know what kind of meeting they were having. The apostles could have been teaching if they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They had a multitude, more than could fit in 12 houses. Uh, it's possible they were having teaching in the temple. They were daily in the temple. They couldn't break bread in the temple, right? There wasn't, uh, that wasn't allowed. That wasn't space um, or set up for that, tables or whatnot. So they broke bread house to house. Um, and uh, fellowship meal. Looked like a daily thing. That's pretty impressive. Great. So that's something to note. Uh, now, that was Acts. Yeah, all right. So, I sliced that one a little differently, but that's great. Acts 2, verses 1 to 47. 42 to 47. Daily in the temple. Temple. And break bread from house to house. Very good. Okay, Sean, your group. I think I identified 20 different church meet, types of church meeting in the book of Acts. But uh, I think so. Maybe some, there's some overlap. So some of them might be redundant. But go ahead. Well, that's what we want to look at, right? That's what we want to look at. Well, we're going to get them all and then try and sort, right? Just so we'll see what we've got and then we'll try and sort them. Yeah. yeah sure, that's fine. You really organize. You organize as you sort. Some of us just put it all on the table and then we sort. Go ahead. 
1 Corinthians 5, okay? First Corinthians four, uh, First Corinthians five, four to five. Okay. Okay, so um, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 4 to 5. This was a gathering where at least uh, this focus here had to do with delivering that brother to Satan. What that looked like, people have different opinions. Could I uh, underline a phrase here? Uh, one word, or well, no, um, a phrase. Verse 4, when you're gathered together... So that suggests to me that he didn't say gather together for this purpose, but next time you gather together, do this. So it would be reasonable to think that this happened on their Lord's Day meeting. What a thing to have to deal with. That would really change the tenor of the meeting. Um, Any comment on that? Are we agreed that that word when has an implication? When you're gathered, as opposed to gather to get yourselves all together for this. So while we analyze that, let's ask ourselves another question. Were there any occasions where because of the occasion, they gathered the church together? All right. So here he's saying, when you're gathered together, do this. Which suggests you've got your schedule and do this when you meet. But were there occasions where he said, gather together for this purpose? Or that they did, an occasion happened and they gathered together and it wasn't just um, their regular Lord's Day meeting. Do we have any examples of that? What, what have you got? Chapter 11. Chapter 11. In 1 Corinthians? No. Oh, Acts chapter 11. Chapter 12, that's going to say. What have you got in chapter 11? Chapter 12. What was that now? Prayer meeting, okay? So they had a prayer meeting, and they called it because Peter was in jail. Any others? So that was one, Acts 12, 12, prayer meeting. Acts 15, 15, what was that one for? Uh, Doctrinal dispute, so they met together on purpose. We we should look at that one in a little more detail. Well, we're going to look at that. Uh, Who was there? So we have a... have, um, you know, there's a zoom out and then you zoom in. Ooh, I didn't see that when I looked at it from a distance. Um, what about uh, slideshow? Missionary slideshow, did they do that? Yeah. What's that? Um, well, they did do that. Uh, let me see, where is that? No, yeah, but they they did the slideshow earlier. Oh, there it is, Acts chapter 14. 
Verse 27, and when, um, verse 26, and thence they sailed to Antioch, from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come and had gathered together, the, excuse me, and when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them, and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. So it says, they came and they gathered the church together and they told them everything God had done with them. So probably they didn't have a slideshow. Probably, right? Vellum, you know, diagrams, and big sheets of vellum, poor church, not likely. They probably didn't paint on the walls. But the gathering together was to rehearse, to go over, to tell them about the missionary trip. So we've got a prayer meeting for Peter uh, to pray for prison, uh, Peter's release from prison. They had doctrinal meeting to deal with heresy coming in the church. They had a missionary news meeting. So the church would gather not only their regular weekly gathering, but various impromptu meetings. Um, won't get it, get ourselves distracted. I would suggest that there are a lot of different ones that we can look at, but what they uh, and that we should note. The ones where they didn't gather. I'm not going to mention them. So you can think how what in our prosperous, unpersecuted North American Christianity, uh, the kinds of gatherings that churches do get together for, and are there any that we might do in our country, not necessarily our church, that the apostles, the early church, when they had all these different kinds of prayer me- um, gatherings, And they didn't do some of the ones that we do today. Maybe we shouldn't do those either. So that's just a seed thought. Uh, Let's look at that one that you wanted to. You you mentioned the Acts chapter 15. All right. So. uh, And then we're going to come back and finish up 1 Corinthians 5. Acts chapter 15. What was the purpose? Doctrinal issue, right? Okay, who was there? Well, let's go. Uh, Chapter 15, verse 4. When they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders. And they declared all things that God had done with them. Sounds like everyone's there. Verse 6, and the apostles and elders came together for to consider this matter. So this is Matthew's point. It was just the apostles and elders. Uh, Verse 12, then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul. Multitude. Is that a multitude of believers or a multitude of apostles and elders? A multitude of apostles and elders. Well, so this is... Okay, so let's keep that word in our minds. All the multitude kept silence. Um, So it says the apostles and elders came together to consider the matter. So we know they were there. Verse 7, when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and he said this and and so on. 
So um, this is after much disputing. Peter finishes what he's saying. Then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul. When they held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. James says his peace. Verse 22. Then pleased it the apostles and elders with the whole church. Now, it doesn't say the whole church was at that meeting. But it does say there was a multitude at the meeting. So, I suppose we'll slice it how we feel. Either there was a multitude of elders, because there wasn't a multitude of apostles. Or the apostles and elders held this meeting with the rest of the church in attendance but keeping silence. It's one of those two, right? Maybe some of the brothers joining the fray. But that, would, that meeting, if the sisters were there, that meeting would have been a time for the sisters to keep silence. Right? That would have been one where they would be silent. Well, um, let the brothers fumble their way through it, but you just pray. Um, <clears throat> so... And sometimes, you know, let's just be clear. Male pride needs a good hoofing every now and again. Well, yeah, but sisters, don't you do that. Let the Lord do it. Because you need that male ego to do other things. Very useful. Don't destroy it. But the Lord has to humble it every now and again. So the first witness to the resurrection was a sister. And the men had to take their time to catch up. But the preachers of the resurrection were the brothers. Sorry? Yeah, but that's because none of the sisters were um, apostles, right? Men and brethren. Okay, so you're saying that he's not addressing the sisters, so they weren't there. Certainly, that's reasonable. But if they were, they weren't going to get into the fray. Uh, regardless, somehow, in verse 22, then pleased at the apostles and elders with the whole church. So either the church witnessed the dispute and the outcome, or the church trusted the apostles and elders and the conclusion they came to. That's a very good uh, atmosphere, right? This is important. Um, verse 22, then pleased it the apostles and elders with the whole church. And that was a multitude. The Jerusalem church was many thousands. And they write in the name of everybody. Verse 23. The apostles and elders and brethren send greeting unto the brethren which are of the Gentiles in Antioch. So what they sent was not, there was no division over it. They started, let's look at this. That's very clear. They started in... Uh, Verse 7, with much disputing. And they finished with verse 22. Then, uh, then pleased at the apostles and elders. Um, now it says somewhere. Yeah, just a moment here, though. Verse 19, my sentence is, 
Yeah. So they all, in any case, however they word, it's worded, then pleased that the apostles and elders with the whole church. They all agreed to James. Verse 25 in their letter, it seemed good unto us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. So again, who's writing? The apostles, elders, and brethren send greetings. It seemed good unto us being assembled, that's the apostles and elders and brethren, with uh, one accord to send chosen men. Um, So whether it was only the men meeting or only the men participating, um, and uh, regardless, that's who the letter was from, the apostles and elders and brethren. It seemed good unto us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men unto you. So they came together with one accord. They had disputing, which means they had one heart, one purpose, but they started with different understandings. They worked that all out. They all ended up of the same mind. They didn't go away the disagreement. They didn't go away, I've dug my heels in. Um, everyone got to speak, and at the end, James tied it all together, and everyone was in agreement. Isn't that wonderful? And the greater miracle is these were Jews. I've heard, I heard a Jewish man say, when you get two Jews, you get three opinions, right? Like the... They've got a lot of opinionatedness and opinions as a culture. Very opinionated. Very outspoken. And yet, though they started with much disputing, they ended up all of one mind. And Paul writes to Christians, be of one mind, right? All speak the same thing. This idea that, you know, it's good to disagree. Well, it might be at the start to help us find the truth, but we should all be able to come to the same truth. That's what the early church did, and it sorted out a big problem. So, um, I don't think you should divide from your brother. They didn't. They worked it out. But uh, the idea that we should just have these endless disagreements and different doctrinal positions and just leave them like that is not the New Testament. You see, uh, over again, that they came to one mind. But that's not why we're focused here, what we're focused on. This was a doctrinal discussion meeting. It was left to the brothers to sort out, the apostles and elders, with the brethren, and, uh, and they came to one mind of it. Um, everyone had their say. And then James, it seemed that everyone submitted to, to James on that. Okay, so that, that's why I wasn't, like to me, you could, were only the apostles and elders there, and there was a multitude of elders, or was the multitude there, and everyone was listening. Um, I like the second because it seems to me everything's done in the light. There's no secrecy. Everyone gets to see. Everyone's accountable. Everyone witnessed the proceedings and the outcome. Um, Somebody was pointing out here in chapter 15. When they were dismissed, right? So they got the letter, and they read that letter there, and they... um, They uh, sent Barnabas and Saul and some others. They came to Antioch when they had gathered the multitude together. So there's another gathering. They gathered the multitude together for a doctrinal meeting (laughs) to hear a letter. Um, They delivered the epistle, which when they had read, they rejoiced for the consolation. 
It seems that word, the multitude, refers to the church, but you could have had a multitude of teachers in, or elders in the Jerusalem church and a multitude of believers in the church at Antioch. All right. We have to go back to your passage in 1 Corinthians 5, right? 1 Corinthians 5, um, verse 4, when you're gathered together, was this a special gathering or was this Lord's Day meeting? Regular meeting, and they had to deal with this. Yeah, so something came up, and this is interesting to understand then, so this would have been... uh, Lord's Day meeting. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What's that phrase signify? One word. Begins with A. Authority. All right? It's the authority of Christ. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you're gathered together, and my spirit, hmm, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? When you're gathered together in my spirit. You've got a variety of possibilities there. Was Paul kind of somehow teleporting his spirit there? All right. So uh, there was not a Paulish presence there that could be discerned, but they had apostolic authority. It was as if Paul was there in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they had apostolic authority for this decision. Fair? Okay. They even had higher authority. We'll look at that. With the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. So they had might to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh. That the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. I think the NIV, I don't know what it says today. The NIV says for the destruction of the sinful nature. Like Satan really wants to destroy that. Anyhow, I don't know if they revised that and edited it out. Do you know? Yeah. Yeah, you don't even look at it. Um, yeah, it's funny, eh, these interpretive uh, translations. To deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. The way I would understand that is what happened to Job. He was afflicted particularly uh, so that he would repent. And in Paul's second epistle we see that. What did this delivering unto Satan look like? Um, different commentators have some say this was not excommunication and that the church doesn't have the power to do this anymore this was a limited only to the apostles I don't know what to tell you the basic because we want to stay safe and not uh, grasp at things it would seem to me um, what was Paul's summary on this Verse 13, 
storm. Would you read the last sentence in verse 13? Yes. So there was a decision made of the whole multitude to exclude that person from their company. He would not be allowed to meeting or to be in fellowship in any way because of his wickedness. And that was done with the whole church present, not at an elders meeting. Right? Every word was established in the presence of two or three witnesses. The whole church um, uh, put him away. This is the thing. Whatever they uh, deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, there would have been a formal pronouncement that the putting away, the putting away from the church of a person in the name of the Lord Jesus removed from them some divine protection that would result in um, a satanic buffeting that would be different from the trials and tribulations that are normal to the Christian. That's how it would seem. But the whole church needed to be there for that. Um, Church could be small. And that passage is in Matthew chapter 18, right? You were reading that with the same view in mind, isn't that right? Where verse 20, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Um, That's the context for that. Uh, If somebody won't repent of sin, then uh, the whole church. And notice... In that passage in Matthew 18, it's similar. If he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. So, somebody can only be excluded from fellowship by the whole church. Being present and the whole church knowing all the details. And the person there being in front of the whole church when everything is said, right? Tell it unto the church, verse 17, if he neglect to hear the church. So first, the brother has gone to him alone. This is a dispute between two brothers. Then there's two or three witnesses who have judged the matter and they all agree. And he won't hear them. Then the whole church hears all the matter. The whole church agrees. And the whole church with one voice speaks to the brother. And he just will not hear them. And so the whole church um, uh, treats him as if he's a heathen. And for the Jew, that means they'd have no company with him. They wouldn't eat. They wouldn't do anything with him. And then there's the authority. If two or three of you agree it's touching anything, that's not two or three against the rest of the church. I mean, think about how ridiculous that is. That mean, It's in the same context of... Uh, verse 20, where two or three are gathered together in my name. That even if you are in persecuted times and only two or three of you are able to meet together at any one time, church is reduced to small numbers, that the, apost- the authority of Christ would still be with you. So, so there's, there's, um, it's good to note that uh, for decisions to be made, the whole church needs to be together. The whole church needs to 
have all the information. Whole, and I think that's what we've tried to do, even on practical matters like this building and so on. We wanted everybody to have uh, input. We don't want to be just making decisions on our own. Uh, so, all right. This is a, a taste. Uh, you started? Who started? You. Yes, a talkative bunch. One, one. Okay. So that's 1 Corinthians. We've had Acts chapter 2, 1 Corinthians 5. Now, and then I, oh, then you, was it, who gave the 1 Corinthians 15? No, we did three. We did the, uh, the prayer meeting. We did the missionary meeting, the slideshow, and we did the doctrinal meeting. So you're up again. Yeah. So let me just see here. Uh, Try and get those. Prayer meeting. Doctrinal meeting. And missionary meeting. Um, slideshow. Yeah. Missionary report. We'll call it that. Okay. We'll get one more from each and then we'll go through a list of... Go ahead. Baptismal service. Where was that? Baptismal service at which? Okay. Baptismal service. Wow. Uh, you just... Yeah. Brother Thiessen would be proud. That would be Brian Thiessen. Yes, Acts 10. You want to read the relevant passage, please? Baptismal service. Wow. Well, but was it baptismal service or was it gospel service? Well, it, it, it started gospel. Okay, so, but they didn't just gather a bunch of people. Okay, so you're, you're trying to be sneaky there. Okay. So it was a gospel meeting that morphed into a church meeting that morphed into a baptismal service. Okay, so you got three for one. So I think calling it a baptismal service is a bit iffy. All right, so we won't, we'll, we'll just put that in quotes with a question mark. All right, Sean, one more from you, and then we'll, we'll go through and look and try and draw a summary conclusion. Now, we did start a bit here. Acts 21, very good. Yes? What verse? Verse 5? Okay. Departure service. Okay. Farewell service. All right. Um, they, verse 5. Who was there for this service? Everyone. It says, um, they all brought us on our way with wives and children. Wow. So that was a whole church meeting just to see off a few brethren. 
Now, I'm not saying we should all go to the airport, but you know, um, that's how they were. It's interesting, right? Farewell service. What we find is that the church was always together. Let's, um, let's do a, a, a skate through Acts chapter 1. Through Acts chapter one, I mean, through the book of Acts, starting chapter one, chapter one, verse fifteen. Oh, sorry, verse fourteen, thirteen to fourteen. And when they were come in, so they've come back from the Mount of Olives. They went up into an upper room, were abode, and you've got the eleven. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. So you had. An ongoing prayer meeting. That's first. First of all, that's what the church was doing. Luke really emphasizes that. Um, Before they had the Holy Ghost, they were praying. At the end of Luke, they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Right? So, prayer meeting, ongoing prayer in uh, Acts Uh, Chapter 1, verses 13 to 14. 15 to 26, they had, what? What would you call that service or that meeting? Ordination. Ordination. Um, And they were all there. Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Tells you who they were. 120. Don't know where the 500 were. I've tried to resolve that different ways, and I I don't have anything authoritative. Um, Chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Revival meeting. Wow. Um, Probably in the temple, praying. Verse 46, we've had that already. I think um, we started there with Nathan uh, reading that. Um, They, the earlier verses, they were continued steadfastly. In the, it doesn't seem like this is just one meeting, right, Nathan? This is a description in the earlier verses. They parted their goods. They had all things common. Um, verse 46, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread. So when the apostle writing to the Hebrews said, exhort one another daily, it's possible they might have still be having daily fellowship. However they sliced it, and not all day, but whether they met in the mornings or what. Daily fellowships, so that's interesting. Um, that's the end of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. They went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. So, announcements, news, important happenings. They went to their own company and they prayed. So they, they um, it was a report and prayer. We're in trouble. Here's what's happening. And they prayed. So news meeting and prayer. Relevant news. Not gossip, but uh, things that pertain to the church and the going forth of the gospel. Opposition to the gospel. They gathered the church together, told them what was going on, and they prayed. Um, Verse 34 to 37, 
Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need, and then Barnabas did it. Now, would everyone agree that this was not 12 apostles in 12 different locations getting money? Because that would look unseemly, would look like profiteering. So you had the apostles together, you had collection services, would seem, and it doesn't seem like it was part of a worship service. So you can have uh, practical finance uh, meetings to fund uh, needs, financial meetings to fund needs. Uh, Notice what the needs were to clothe and feed people, uh, not to buy um, property. Chapter 542. Daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. So they had teaching and preaching meetings. Chapter 6, verse 6. What was this? All right, let's look at some context. So multitude, the widows were being neglected and daily. Um, The apostles, the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them. So you had a church meeting. This, the multitude of the disciples. um, The first the first mention of the disciples in the book of Acts. There were gathered together, where abode Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and the Lord's mother and brethren. Verse 15, and in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Now in 16 he said, men and brethren, but are we to assume that in 13 and 14, when he's mentioning that they all continued in one accord, where brethren, so much of the scripture is addressed to brethren, are we to assume that it excludes the women? When scripture has deliberately pointed out that they were with the women. And then right after that says, in the midst of the disciples. And then they were all with one accord in chapter 2 with one place. And he says, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. It is apparent when he talks about the multitude of the disciples that it includes the sisters. The whole church, male and female. It's just that when you're talking about disputing doctrine, decision-making, that there are certain roles that are to be respected. Um, But it doesn't mean that people are not present. Acts chapter 6, when the number of the disciples multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected. When there's murmuring in the church, you need to deal with it. Up front, thoroughly, promptly, with clarity. Something that everybody is clear on and agrees on. You don't let murmuring go on. At least the apostles didn't let murmuring go on and on. They dealt with things. The twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them. Does this, brethren, not suggest that all 
that were born again were called to this meeting? With the women? Would, would be, is not the most reasonable conclusion? And that when it says the multitude and the disciples, unless it excludes them or specifies only the apostles and elders, that we should assume that it was the whole church, male and female in Christ. <clears throat> so everybody knows what's going on. Brethren, look ye out among you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, whom we may appoint over this business, we will give ourselves continually to prayer. Verse 5, the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose. So everyone heard what the apostles said. Somehow they organized themselves and made decision. The whole multitude, verse 6, set them before the apostles. When they had prayed, they laid hands. So there was an ordination service, a discussion of a need and an ordination service. And the whole church, so far as we can discern, the whole church would have been present for that. Acts chapter 10, verse 27. This was a, a gospel service. So that wasn't a church. That's an evangelistic outreach service. Okay, we, we've touched on that. Acts chapter 12. There was a prayer meeting going on. Um, many were gathered together uh, to prayer. Notice uh, verse 5. Peter was kept in prison. Prayer was, uh, was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. The prayer meetings seemed to be house to house. The whole church was praying, but they weren't all in one place. So they couldn't all fit. Um, nighttime, so they're not out in the open field. They're filling houses. Peter went to um, John Mark's mother's house. She probably had a bigger house. Uh, it was a center of activity. And uh, there they were. Acts chapter 13. You had a meeting of... Prophets and teachers for prayer and fasting and to minister to the Lord. That was a meeting, not the whole church, it would seem. Acts chapter 14. Uh, we've looked at that one. This was our, um, our slideshow, as I called it, tongue-in-cheek. And we've seen what's going on in Acts chapter 15. We had the disputing in the church there with these uh, Judaizers in verses 1 to 3. Um, verses 4 and 5, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. So they had a special meeting to hear all that was going on in the Gentile world. Then we had the doctrinal meeting, as was discussed um, and they dealt with that. We've looked at those. Acts chapter 16. Uh, you had a women's prayer meeting in verse 13. Say they weren't saved. They were religious people. Paul went and was the guest speaker at a women's meeting. Is that what happened? The sisters had a man in to speak at the sisters' meeting. So that's pretty uh, something for Jews to be doing that. Um, verse 16 as we went to prayer looked like they had uh, regular prayer meetings there verse 40 when they released from prison they entered into the house of Lydia and when they had seen the brethren they comforted them and departed so I don't know what you'd call that comfort meetings but certainly there were a number of different types of communication meetings um 
Paul was stoned to stoned and he was almost killed. Where was that? Which passage was that? Uh, they left him for dead. They dragged him out of the city, stoned him, left him for dead, and the brethren stood around him. 14 verse which? Okay, yes. Chapter 14, verse 20. This is something I wanted us to, to note, brethren, in their assembly. Verse 19, there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. So what does it say? It says uh, they dropped him there supposing he has been dead. Now, it doesn't say anything happened. It doesn't say the disciples prayed. It doesn't say he was dead. But just reading that, what's the impression you come away with? There's lots in there. One, the disciples didn't all mob them. It wasn't a brawl. There wasn't a, there wasn't a fight, a gang fight. They stoned Paul for preaching the gospel. So they were peaceable, like sheep. And they're supposing Paul had been dead. As the disciples stood round about him, he rose up. It doesn't say that the disciples got down and nursed him back to hell. Supposing he had been dead. It suggests that they were there. Probably they prayed. Can't say with certainty. But it suggests that the disciples thought he was dead as well. Because no one was trying to revive him and pour in oil and wine and whatever to his bruises. That the presence of Christ was there. And raised the apostle as if from the dead. Um, remember we talked about the, the Lord being in the midst of his people. Even if there's not an apparent manifestation, he's there. Presence of Christ. When his church is gathered together in his name according to his will, he's there. His will was accomplished. It wasn't Paul's time to die. As the disciples stood around about him, he rose up, came into the city. Uh, so there was that. Um, we've seen the church meeting in, uh, in Acts 21. Uh, is it... Um, oh, there's... Where, where's Eutychus now? He dropped down dead. That's in 20. Okay, there it is, yeah. Right. So we, we've looked at Acts 20 already. Uh, first day of the week, disciples came together to break bread. Lots of preaching. Also in Acts 20, there was an elders meeting. Verse 17, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. So an elders meeting, that's biblical. There was a purpose. Paul wanted to talk to them all. And, um, and he kneeled down and prayed with them all, and they wept sore.
So, elders meeting. Um, 21, regular disciples of some kind of prophecy. They spoke by the Spirit. Uh, They took leave of one another. Um, He had a little home church meeting there with Philip and his daughters, and they prophesied. Um, Agabus came while they were there, and he prophesied. When they heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Seems like a small church. Uh, They went up, verse, um, and with Mason of Cyprus, they came up to Jerusalem. The brethren received them gladly. And James, Paul went in unto James. All the elders were present, another elders meeting. And he gave them some info. And James says the whole multitude is going to come together. So special meetings were a thing, right? And then we, we know what happened after that. That's mostly the end of the, the church meetings in the book of Acts, you know. So tracing Paul's march to Jerusalem and, uh, and him meeting with the, the uh, Jews in, Jerus- in uh, Rome. And then he's under house arrest and that's how it finishes. The church met a lot, and they met, uh, they had uh, meetings outside of Lord's Day meeting as needs required. It seems to me, and I submit it for brethren to consider, that the church, the whole church met for these meetings. Whether it was to put away that brother who was in grievous sin or, uh, or to at least discuss the outcome of their doctrinal meetings, um, to hear the missionary reports. The whole church was there. The whole church. And I'm not saying that that would bar, you know, the sisters organizing themselves, the older women are to teach the younger women. So... A sister's meeting might be appropriate. I'm not saying that you can't have these others. But the, the church met to address everything that was necessary to build the church. And um, there wasn't a lot of segregation. There's a couple occasions where apostles and elders had to meet. Um, But even there, on one occasion at least, it's questionable if the whole multitude was there. Ordination service seemed everybody was there. Even at the discussion level, the decision making, it seems like the church was present for everything. Even those who weren't involved in the discussion, they were at least there to witness and to observe. So it seems. And I think that's something uh, that bears ongoing meditation and considering and searching the scriptures. I don't suggest we make any radical changes um, off the, certainly not off the cuff, but after a year or two of contemplating, if we find that we are uh, not off track, uh, not on track on something, I think a change might be appropriate if that is what we all uh, perceive. But that's the thing that's striking me about this, is that Almost every time, whatever the occasion was, the whole church was there. Minus people who are sick at home or, you know what I mean, laid up in bed or just given birth or whatever the case might be. Um, locked up in jail. Peter wasn't there for the prayer meeting because he was in jail. You know. 
But whenever possible, the whole church was there. So much so, even wives and little ones were there to go to the airport or the harbor to see him off. You know, That's how much they loved one another. That's how much they were together. And uh, I, would, I would take that as an exhortation. Let's increase in brotherly love. I think Dave and I were talking um, earlier. I'm so blessed with the brethren and the love that God has... Uh, uh, enriched us with uh, and let's keep going the whole church uh, was together uh, let us not degenerate into the kind of Christianity where you see each other at meetings and you get on just you know everyone has their own private lives and you kind of come together weekly or something uh, it's a family of God we heard that in Ephesians this morning the whole family in heaven and earth in Jesus Christ the church loved to be together in the work of the Lord, to hear what was going on in missions, to deal with doctrinal issues, to address practical needs, to, to sort out the finances. They were all together for all of these things. And, um, and then they had Lord's Day uh, meeting as well. Things to consider and possibly revisit the subject on a future date. Uh, I think we could draw to a close there. Brother Dave, would you like to... Uh, were there any questions? Sorry, before we just close, were there any questions or comments or statements need to be made? Um, is, is it, was it a cultural thing that there were more social people that caused them to be together so much as a Jewish culture or was it uh, work of the Holy Spirit or both? Or curious? Mm. So the question is, was it cultural why they were together? Or was it a work of the Holy Spirit? Um, well, I would, I, would, I would go to two scriptures in where I would get my answer from. If it was cultural, I would, I would look at Paul's answer and says, What advantage has the Jew? Much every way. And I don't believe that's just a carnal genetic thing. It's because the cultural advantages, whatever cultural advantages the Jews have, they have it because of the word and will of God. And they are therefore cultural things that we should acquire. So if it's cultural, it's a divinely inspired culture right from the early days of the giving of the law that we should take on. That's how I would say that. And if it's a work of the Holy Spirit, I think we can trace that to Acts uh, chapters 2 and 3. Acts chapter 2. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. I believe that the things that are written here are noteworthy because they were the work of God. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and prayers. I believe that that is an indication of a zeal that was a work of the Spirit of God in their souls. I believe every religious people, every group of religious people, has their really dedicated people and their casual people. Whether you're Hindu, Roman Catholic, Jewish. And the Jews of the day had that spread as well. But that these people were moved by a heavenly zeal. Fear came upon every soul. That's the fear of God. This was done by the Holy Spirit. 
Many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. This was of the Holy Spirit. And so it leads me to verse 44. All that believed were together and had all things common. Now square that off against Christ's reproof to the Pharisees and the Jews generally for being covetous. Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. The Lord was often reproving them for the love of money, for covetousness. And here that's dealt with. I would submit that that is the work of the Holy Spirit. That they, uh, they had all things common. They sold their possessions and goods, parted them to all men as every man had need. They're following the teachings of Christ as the apostles taught. The apostles would have been teaching them the Sermon on the Mount. The Holy Spirit was uh, working that very thing in their hearts. And togetherness was a part of that work. And that was, I believe, of the Holy Spirit. They continued daily with one accord. That agreement, they've gone from two of them having three opinions to all of them having one opinion. Because God has one opinion. Praising God and having favor with all the church, uh, with, all the, um, with all the people. Uh, and at the end of chapter 4, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. So I would submit that it was the work of the Holy Spirit. They loved one another. I love my wife. I want to increase in that. And I love to be with her. We had, you know, and I could do better. Some of you brothers, you know, you take your wives out and so on. You're really good at that. And my, my sweet wife, I mean, she was very patient. And she, we, we had a discussion early in our marriage um, that I think she would have preferred to be taken out more. And I said to her, you know, dear, and, and this isn't just a cop-out, I'm just, just trying to make a point. Maybe I shouldn't have gone down this road, but I have now. Said, at work, after work, the guys, they go out for a beer and everything, and, or they go to socials, and I just want to get home to be with you. And uh, I don't think about going out, because when I'm with you, I really don't care where I am. You know, I just want to be with you. And I think when we love people, we want to be with them. I think it's that simple. Uh, I love my children. I want to be with them. And I love the brethren. I like to spend more time with the brethren. Yeah, busyness of life and how to sort that all out. But I think that 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 was it. The Holy Spirit. They loved one another. And so the natural outcome was to be together. There's no such thing in the Bible of, I love you, but I don't want you around in my life. That's just ridiculous. Like, where is that? Um, so, so I would think that was it. Yeah. Any other question or comment to make? All right. Well, Brother Dave, why don't you stand and commit us to the Lord in prayer?
Amen.